0: We are live. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. I'm your host, um, him, my partner, my co-host in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill?
1: You know, this has been an exhausting week. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, we did a show bo- on both nights on 9-11, the 20 an- 20th anniversary. And last night, I did a show with Joe Pistone, a.k.a. Donnie Brasco, with first grade detective Tommy Dades, and we spoke all about the mob. And tonight, this is another show that we, it's in supporting cops and first responders, and we love doing this because that's uh, what we're all about here on Police Off the Cuff.
0: Well, our guest tonight, uh, we're happy to have, um, <laughs> this is going to be a great show. Uh, I'll introduce our first guest, Megan Castellano. She's the executive director of the Mental, Associ- Mental Health Association in Putnam, and she's also the co-chair of Suicide Prevention in, in Putnam. And um, our guest who brought us here tonight, man, they, wait till you hear this. Um, he's a retired NYPD second grade detective, an Army veteran, um, a war, a registered nurse, and currently he's the coroner of Putnam County and the program director for the PFC Joseph P. Dwyer Veterans Peer Support Group. Let's welcome John Burg- Burgos.
1: Borges. Borges.
0: <laughs>
2: I answered answer to many things. That, that's good
0: enough. I, I try to ask
1: you. How, how, yeah. how to it. <laughs> it no,
2: John, is that is that French origin? Yes,
1: that. Oh, yeah, that's what I'd say. I, I never so, Somewhere French. along the
2: line, my family jumped off a ship down in New Orleans. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's so how we that, came in.
1: It's that New Orleans French, that, that Cajun French. New right? Orleans. Yeah New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans. And then
2: as the rumor goes, somebody in my family shot somebody and we had to move to Chattanooga. So
1: <laughs> He's been like hiding my...
3: ever since.
1: Timing timing is everything. You know, you know, John, I, in, looking, in looking at, I have your resume in front of me and it's like three pages long, but it's incredible the things that you've accomplished since you retired from the NYPD. And I think it was in 2001. It was the month before 9-11, correct? Yep, just before 9-11. And, but uh, all my terminal and were, leave and everything. Was that what uh sort of inspired you to join the Army and uh, go to Iraq?
2: I'll tell you, honestly, um, so a couple of things happened at the same time. You know, I was going to nursing school, and a lot of the nursing students that were with me, their husbands were firefighters. And uh, one of them, after a few, you know, first day, I think, had to leave because her husband was killed in 9-11. And... Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, almost every single day after that, I prayed that, uh, you know, for God to bring me where I'm supposed to be. And uh, on my last day working in the ICU in White Plains Hospital, I met a uh, Army recruiter. And uh, make a long story short, the next thing I know, I'm standing in a combat support hospital because I was an ICU nurse, an ER nurse. I was trained in burns, pediatrics, neonates, you name it, I did it. And uh, I'm there. 15 minutes. And the commanding officer says, Everybody take a knee. And the rumor you heard is true. We're being deployed to Iraq. I'm going, like, I've been in this army
1: like 15 minutes, man. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, I'm going to Iraq. Oh, well, John, what is <laughs> that the thing G- they say? Never volunteer for anything, right? <laughs> uh,
0: Did you go through basic training first?
2: Well, you know, the, um I went no. And yes, I went through officers basic, which is basically I have a skill and a talent that they want. And uh they'll more or less do anything and everything that they can to get you overseas and into a trauma center. One of the guys that I met while I was there, he was a chest cutter. He was the head of uh, thoracic surgery in, in some university hospital like Illinois. And the guy said, if, if I was using a Walker, they would have figured out some way to get me onto a black <laughs> so I could get up where you guys are.
0: You know, what's uh, funny like, is that my, my son's in nursing school right now. Mm-hmm. He's in NYU Myers. And, um, yeah. Prior to getting in there, because that's a heavy hit. That's that's about 110 grand right there. I, I tried to, you know, I was telling him maybe you want to look into one of the armed services, and maybe you can get the. Because uh, he graduated already from college, but as a physical therapist, he wanted to be a nurse after that. Right. So then I was like, why don't you just? And then uh, you know maybe they could pay for your edu- you know the, the nursing program for you so you don't get this heavy hit afterwards because I paid yeah. for the first four years and I'm like I
1: can't you're, you're I can't. tapped out now yeah
0: <laughs> so uh so I what do you think is that a good idea was I sure. About- sure
2: I mean you know and also the military they're the ones that came up with the uh, physicians assistant program you know because they needed somebody you know sort of around the time of Vietnam between a nurse. And uh, the surgeon and the physician, and they came up with the physician's assistant program, and uh, you know that's also a great program. Uh, and to be able to do that, you can you can you can almost hang out your own shingle, do what you want to do.
0: Well, I good. just want you. To, I, I just want my son to listen to this episode and, and realize I was right.
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, so John, you're like a walking poster boy for uh, mental what, health. Yeah, a guy well a guy who's given a guy who's given back really too of service. Uh, yeah, of service and not just that if if anyone could have mental health issues, PTSD and that type of stuff, you've seen it all. And yeah. and I we were talking before the show and I I freely admitted to you and and all of us I think that were on the NYPD and did 20 or more years, maybe even less than that and saw the things that we saw have a touch of PTSD and I freely admit that. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I, Megan knows my, my saying is basically not only am I a spokesperson for the hair club for men, I'm also a (laughs) client. And uh, you know, that's, that's exactly true. And uh, being able to admit the PTSD part of your life and how you're dealing with it is, is the, is the first hurdle in a sense. And if you take, you know, statistics and you add in PTSD and, you know, another thing with the police department, we didn't meet in the neighborhood Hagendas. You know, we hung out at the Blarney Rock on 181st Street. Uh-huh. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, between PTSD and, and alcohol consumption and. and you, easy you, access mean, firearms.
1: you mean you hung out at Coogan's?
2: And Coogan's. Yeah. Coogan's, Coogan's was the oasis, man. Isn't oasis. it
1: sad that Coogan's is no longer there? I feel a piece of my heart was taken away, you know?
2: You know and and during the riots and and everything else that that was our sanctuary that that was a that was like uh you know playing you know alley alley oxen free that was safe base
0: you know everybody we had, could dave. we had dave on the show and he mentioned that
2: yeah, yeah. and that's why to rise, the
0: place went untouched that was a place where it was a nothing a happened over space. there
2: yeah.
0: yeah
1: it was a safe, safe space.
2: space yeah exactly yeah and that was the good thing about it and, and and everybody met everybody else you know not only the politicians but the local kids the local you know store owners everybody everybody went there and it was a safe place to be and it was good and it had good food and good good atmosphere so
1: yeah they they called it the cheers of washington heights right yeah.
0: yeah, a lot of cops met their, few, their their brides. They're married to women they met at Coogan's.
1: They, they used uh, to and, call- and, and their girlfriends too. I don't want to say. Yeah. And, and John, 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 they used to call them war brides. I love that expression.
0: <laughs> no, the, the 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 girlfriends who you got them was a, a herpes uh herpes triangle in the Bronx over there. Oh, <laughs> okay. you. Did you ever go there for a four to four? Uh, no. <laughs> that was the I, wraparound. I, I went
2: to Rags and then uh you know there was. um what was it up on Broadway by the Five Two, um, next to Jesse Dames or something that was up there? Yes, that's talking
1: about. I can't think of the name. There of
2: it. Were three.
0: There was three bars on four corners there in the Bronx. Yep. They called it Herpes Triangle. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's uh, if you when he had to do the four to one, the, the second one, the turnaround, That's mm-hmm. where he wound up over there. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh,
1: P and K's in the Bronx too. That was right. Piper's Kilt. Yeah. Yeah, Piper's that was killed. a popular couple. Pauline's. Police, Police, right. one of them. We're, bringing, we're bringing back all these places that I'm, are probably. I'm all sorry. Closed, I'm sorry. Closed, this, is, right? this is what happens when you get a bunch of cops.
2: It's
3: okay. I just find it go so ahead, interesting Megan. when you say, when you're talking to anybody in law enforcement, you know, it's like, you know, what are you doing? Well, we went to the bar, you know, and this, wherever you went. So it's just interesting. Like, that's where. Well, that's where well you,
1: we're you know, Megan, right? we, I'm sorry, Megan, to interrupt you, but we, we had Dr. Washkull on the show, Stephen Washkull, who's a great guy and happens to be like a suicide prevention expert. And I had said to him, is it okay after you uh, saw something really traumatic to go out drinking with with the guys? And he was like, absolutely, 100 percent, as long as it's not, you know, four days or five nights a week doing a four to four. He goes, it's fine to do that. You know,
0: hey, you know what? You you brought up Dr. Stephen Washko, a big shout out to him. He just got a Fox gig. Did you see that?
3: Congratulations. No, I didn't that's see Yeah, awesome.
0: Fox, Fox, uh, Fox News, he's going to be on there. I saw him post about it. They hired him for a gig. So that's congratulations, excellent. Doctor. Yes. That's excellent. great.
2: Nicely he's done.
1: Big, he's a big fan. So why don't you guys talk about uh, the MHA, MHA of Putnam County. Megan, you want to start?
3: Well, I feel like we should probably really be talking about First Line, right, John? I feel like that's that's the point of the show. So you, you want to say how we got the whole thing started? No, you're good
2: at this. You could do it.
3: (laughs) So, um, well, I guess our organization was founded on something called peer support, which is people who have uh, a lived experience getting together with other people who have a similar lived experience. So that's really what peer support is. So we've been doing that at our agency for decades. And then we got the contract to do our vet to vet program. That's when John came on board with us. And you know, it's basically putting veterans in touch with other veterans so that they can um, share their experiences, support each other, and sometimes really just listen. So we were at a meeting one time and one of the sergeants from our local sheriff's department said, wouldn't it be great if we could have something like that for cops? And I'm like, absolutely. John and I had just been talking about that and you know, how would we be able to get that started? So um, we had a couple meetings. We got some people around the table. We got support from leadership and we went to have our first meeting and, you know, trying to put together a team. And we said, well, we're going to get together at the Kent PD. And if anybody shows up, then that'll be great. And if not, it'll just be the five of us, you know, sitting in a room talking to each other about what we want to do. And maybe other people, you know, get into it, and they'll join us. And 15 people showed up that day, a lot of people, you know, retired NYPD that live up, up country, you know, where we are, and uh, other people that are active uh, on duty now, just that, you know, wanted to to get involved and help because, uh, you know, they know, they know how hard the job is. They know how stressful it is. And they know a lot of the stuff that uh, that people carry around with them. Sometimes, you know, the weight can be really heavy. So it was really great to have all those people be there. And, you know, I am not a veteran. I'm not in the law enforcement community. I'm just a nice person who's a, <laughs> have my degree in public administration. I make sure the lights are on, the bills get paid. But I felt very privileged that the people in the room that day were, you know, had the courage to be able to talk about their experiences. Um, you know, some of them personal, some from colleagues, and just what their passion was. We started the meeting, you know, about why everybody was in the room, and ultimately it was there just to help their brothers and sisters in law enforcement in any way that they could. So, um, and that meeting was in March of 2018 before the pandemic. And I feel like now with everything that's gone on in the last year and a half, you know, we're uh, kind of needed now more than ever, because it's been a tough time for everybody, but um, for the law enforcement community in particular.
1: A hundred percent. You know, I feel like we should get those 18 months back or deducted from our age, you know, yes. because for a year, all you did was hang out and eat in your house, you know, and yeah. get fat.
3: Somebody <laughs> said this is the first time that, you know, it's like important for us to just sit on the couch and do nothing. Like, let's not screw this up, you know, like this is something <laughs> that we should know how to do. But now everybody's yeah. like, I'm done with this. It's been yeah. it's, it's been a little it's, too long. So. It's
1: time to move on, right?
3: I admittedly am the only person in the world that has not binge watched anything on Netflix since the pandemic started. So I just want to put that out there. So. <laughs> is that because you
0: were so busy?
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sadly. <laughs> yes. You know, John, how
1: important is it that um, you have peers counseling their own peers and, and getting involved here? Uh, so cops see that other cops have gone through the same thing that they're experiencing now.
2: I think if you look at almost any other program out there that's a peer-driven program, they can all cite, you know, anecdotal evidence of success strictly because it is a peer. You know, it's it's kind of one thing to turn around to somebody and say, hey, you know, I, I've been through what you're going through. You know, why don't we just sit down and talk and, you know, we'll break bread, have a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, as opposed to, well, I'm a therapist or I'm a psychiatrist and let's examine how that makes you feel. Um, it's two completely different approaches and I'm not saying that one is, is, you know, better than the other, but one definitely dovetails off of the other. I mean, who would you, you know, let's say for the sake of argument, you know, you're having a hard time and and several people have called our number, you know, who would you rather talk to? You'd rather talk to a guy that's, that's, you know, done what you've done, you know, bought the, bought the t-shirt, got the coffee mug. Um, And even sometimes that's a little bit different. Do you want to talk to a guy that was a white shirt or do you want to talk to another detective, another patrolman? You know, but you can relate to them because you've done the same thing. And maybe by talking to them, they then could turn around and go, listen, you know, I was where you were and this is what I did. I'm not here to say that you're broken. I'm not here to say that I'm going to fix you. But this is what I did Or, or here's somebody that I've spoken to and I trust them. That's the next big thing is to say that I trust them. And if they trust you, then maybe you could walk together into whatever path they're taking to try and either get help if they need it, or at least they know where it is, or at least they know that there's somebody that they could reach out to. And we do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, it's not like you can call the number Monday through Friday, you know, eight to four. You know, I tell people all the time, nothing good happens at 2 a.m. Right and and uh, We're you after know.
3: four on Friday.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know and and so how do you, how do you then try and get over that little hump and and it, you know our big thing is trying to prevent you know police officer suicide. I think so far this year there's like ninety cops have killed themselves so far, this year. And is, is uh, that
1: is that nationally? Yeah, nationally. And
2: okay. and I want to say that there's like in the last four years alone, it's six hundred and eighty something like that. Wow. And those numbers are are underreported because not everybody gets reported the same way. You know, I, I tell people with my veterans program, you know, there's there's the direct route, usually because, you know, we have access to alcohol, we have the PTSD and we have access to firearms. And those three things are extremely lethal. But you've also got the people that down a fifth of vodka and, and get on the crotch rocket and, and hit a tree, you know? Right, and, and right. you know, they, they might be taking the the, the long way around. And that's gone down as an accident or or an overdose. And it's an accidental overdose. You know, those numbers are low as as opposed to what's going on in reality. And, you know, the only way that we've seen it and Megan and I have seen it in in quite successful, not only in the veteran community, but in the police officers community, just being able to talk to somebody else, you know, and again, just to be able to talk. That's the thing.
3: What what do you think? I just want to add with safety, because I just feel like, you know, when you said about trust, I'm thinking about when we were at the meeting, I'm thinking Hank sitting next to me is like, cops don't trust, you know, and I'm like, I get it. So it's just important that you have um, that you have that safety, that you know who you're talking to is someone that you're that that you can trust, that you feel Mm -hmm. safe. And and there's also the element of vulnerability, which, you know, what you were talking about, John, it's, it's hard to put yourself out there to be able to say, you know, I'm somebody who's had this experience, you know. I I had to deal with something that was traumatic and whether I, you know, did it in a healthy way or not, you know, it was my experience. And then being able to share that with other people, you know, recently I was at a, a meeting with a bunch of EMTs and it was amazing to me that chiefs were there, you know, talking about their own vulnerability, about their own struggles and their own challenges. And when you can put yourself out there like that, it lets other people know that it's safe for them to, you know, share whatever they might've been struggling with personally and just, you know, having felt that they've had a safe space to be able to say whatever it is they need to say.
1: You know, Megan, we all know and that the pol- police departments have to do a better job uh, with suicide because it's been mm-hmm. around forever, and they really had to ha- get a kick in the ass and to do certain things, you know, have in-precinct mental health workers, have uh, guys to be able to turn themselves in anonymously. And I know about Papa and mm-hmm. things like that with the NYPD because, you know, when cops turn themselves in, the first thing they do is take their guns, shield. And they put them in a position what, where they can't we, make what, overtime.
3: What do we say about this? We said the rubber gun squad, right? Like nobody. Right. So, right. So, you know, I, I get it. So that, that was a news flash to me. I was like, really? So.
2: And, and, that's, and that's sort of like, you know, one of the things that we try and deal with, with our warm line is that, you know, it's completely anonymous. You could tell me your name's Donald Duck. You know, I don't really. I'm not Papa. I'm, I'm not going to call your supervisor. No, I'm not going to no. do that. We are doing this strictly, you know, anonymously to try and help you to get to where you've got to be. And when you think about it, I mean, what defined you and me? It was our shield and and it was our gun. Our gun was our sword. That was the thing that made you this warrior character. And when somebody takes that away from you, they've taken away your identity. They've they've taken away almost literally who you are,
0: whether it's in the
2: military or as, as a police officer
0: speaking of taking away your identity what about these uh what do you think is going to be the re- repercussion of uh, all these soldiers that went and fought in afghanistan mm-hmm. and now they're thinking it was a huge waste of time i mean that's gotta be, that's gotta weigh on you you lost both your legs over there for this this was a 20-year battle you went over there you, you, there was a belief of, of a, a cause you were helping and now apparently like what there's going to be some repercussions. I feel to this. like this
3: is a modern day Vietnam, right? Like yep. it's just like, and I just feel like it, just what you said, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to feel um, demoralized by it. They're going to be sad. They're going to be disappointed. And um, yeah.
2: <laughs> a friend, A friend of mine is a Vietnam veteran, Silver Star recipient, walks the walk. He thinks about Vietnam now every day. He mm-hmm. sees it back as the fall of Saigon. That's what he sees in his mind replaying each and every day. There and we try and tell people that, you know, look, you served your country honorably. You did the deed. It's not you know what the politicians did, but you served honorably. Your actions are not, you know, where the where the problem is. it's It's the actions of other people. Don't think that your service was a waste. Your service and was
3: I would hope if we learned anything from Vietnam, you know, I just was talking to somebody about this earlier today, like, um, you know, as far as welcoming people home, but, you know, hopefully it's so nice for me just to be able to see the appreciation that wasn't there decades ago. So I just would, you know, it's like a, a, a rally cry to the community just to say, you know, let's please welcome them home and thank them for their service and realize the sacrifices that they've made, you know, regardless of decisions that are being made that, that they have no uh, involvement with, you know, like just to John's point, you know, they, uh, they, they raised their hand to serve and, and served. So I mean, what's, even, what's even the people that are leaving
0: right now, the people that are leaving there right now have to wonder the soldiers that were there, what the hell was I doing there? Like at this point right now, you, there's going to be a, such a blowback from that. Just people wondering like, what, what was this all because there's, there's a certain amount of trust. Like you buy life insurance, for example, God forbid you die and they don't pay out. I mean, you lose trust in everything. There's, you ha- there has to be some things that you can trust wholeheartedly. And that's one of them is like, if you're going to go fight for your country and put your life on the line, that it's for a good reason. Now transfer, that over to the,
2: now transfer that over to the police department and people defunding the police, not standing up for the police. It's sort of like they're living the exact same thing. It's all of a sudden, instead of somebody, somebody being there and having your back, you know, they're no longer supporting you and and you're now out on your own and we don't care what you went through and we don't care what you did. And, you know, there's so many similarities between the two services, you know, and what's going on. It just compounds each other. You know, what's going on in Afghanistan, a lot of our young cops, they're all Afghan. I mean, Afghan's been going on 20 years. A lot of those guys went through the military, came home and they joined yeah. what? The police department. Yeah. And, you know, between you, me and the and the wall, I wouldn't be a cop today. And I tell you, you know, you see that new graduating class in the city. My hat's off to him, man. Because after what I see going on in the city, I, I would have changed careers. I would
0: have been there. I would have been there. Well, and again, and that's what drives no, us. No, we're, no we're because people I was a teenager, I had nothing else going on. I needed a job. That's how desperate <laughs> I was for a job when I was a teenager. I took the job in uh <laughs> when did I come on? 92. That was the the height of the crack epidemic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, John. When you see today it, there's a very a lot of similarities to, to back in the 90s because crime is coming back with double barrels, you know except we had the tools to fight it and oh, we, yeah. we had the backing of, support of from
3: the department
1: Yeah, we had backing from the department backing for the politicians. Now crime is coming back double barrels and they don't have the backing of the politicians. They pass idiotic laws like the diaphragm law. They take away qualified immunity. Stop questioning frisk is something. It's like if you say that word, it's like it's like a curse almost, you know. So the tools to fight crime aren't there right now, and you know, every time I see a cop now in the city, I go I go up to him and say, "Hey, thank you for your service." Absolutely. It's very similar, like you say, John, to a soldier, you know. Yeah, yeah. but
0: like like Bill was saying, it's like even though, because right now all these uh, these people are backing uh, away against; they don't want to be part or connected with fund the police. That's something that didn't work out, and they're all backing away from it. Unfortunately, for their sake, they have themselves on video recorded, you know, saying that they were for it. But it's too late now. But now that all these cities are are, are funding the police now, but the problem is, like Bill said, they passed all these things. The diaphragm law, the bail reform. It, you can hire a million police if you're going to let these guys out a, as soon as they get arrested. They're not. They're not scared of getting arrested. You know,
3: so this is this is one of the things that came up for us. But first line is that, you know, it, as if the job wasn't stressful enough and then now you have to have all these other things on top of it. So you just mentioned bail reform and we were talking about that. Like, how frustrating is that for you? You know, like you're out there trying to do the right thing and do your job and you know that, you know, like for what? Like, so I just feel like it just it, all the more reason for people to be able to reach out and, and try to get some. Peer it's, support not it's, for, it's, it's not even good time. for It's not
0: even good. It's not even good for the perpetrators. The yeah. people that you arrest, because those that, those are the times where they go re-up on their meds. Sometimes they get tired of being on the streets. They get three square meals a day. Even if you take them off the streets for two weeks, a month, guess what? That block that they walk down every day without their shirt on, <laughs> you know, just medicing the whole neighborhood. They're in peace for two weeks, a month. They're in, they're in Rikers getting their meds getting uh, three square meals a day, getting off the drugs for a little bit. It all worked out. And that's, now we that, see, we that's so, so accurate. people. That's so accurate.
2: Time. You know, you, the people that are suffering from mental health issues, all of a yeah. sudden they're back into the system and they have access to a social worker or a case manager Don't or meds.
3: Started on this topic, right? Yeah, yeah. And,
2: <laughs> and She knows. And, you know, our alcohol or drug abuse or whatever it may be, that was their shot, whether they took it or not to, to get back, into that thing of either being back in recovery, back on your medications, back into society, and they they threw that away. And what what's happening to these guys? They're just being thrown back out onto the street to survive that way.
1: They and again, the
0: they're there every day now.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's that's why you're seeing heinous crimes like a guy hitting a guy with an axe at an ATM. Oh, that was bad. I mean, you, you don't. We weren't seeing that, <laughs> that for thank bad. God for years, but now these crazy. Nutty crimes are coming back you know I incredible.
2: try to explain to people when I was talking to somebody we' saying like oh crime is up in the city I think it's almost 400 or something like that and I said try 2200 dude <laughs> you know back in the 80s right, when try, you try think to, about yeah, 2200 2, you know, I mean, murders in my place alone so you know it's it's uh, you know it, it's relative. A way. you know it, it's a different perspective but mm-hmm. again you you know I liken a lot of it we were talking about this earlier. It, it's like, I remember 1988 and Dinkins, you know, it's sort of like, you know, we were the bad guys, you know, no yeah. matter what happened, he paid for the funeral, he sent the drug dealer who tried to murder a police officer. You know, Mike, you know, Mike, he's come here with, the, you know, his books and stuff. So, you know, all these different things of, of you know, who was standing up for you? Nobody. And, and I, it's sort of the same feeling now for the police, but it's also the same feeling for the, the veterans that are coming back from Afghanistan. Who stood up for you? Nobody. There were so many ways that you could have left this situation, and this was not the way to do it. And so many people are feeling those repercussions.
1: And, you You know, know John, I just watched the other day um, John Stewart confronting Congress when they Mm. tried to cut off the 9-11 funds for the survivors and the guys that were sick. And it was so disgusting. First of all, only about 20 or 25 congressmen showed up at all to the meeting. And he was almost in tears pleading with them, like, how could you even think ashamed. about not funding this? Exactly. And they stood there like the bureaucratic morons they are, and they were shamed. They were actually shamed into funding it because they were just so embarrassed not to vote for it, you know. But they really were considering not refunding that, you know. And, it, 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 and again, it's the support. If you don't
2: feel the support, why bother?
0: Well, if you're talking about support, when you're coming back right now from Afghanistan, um, are you gonna get the same type of benefits? Because there's always a problem with the VA and getting your your health benefits.
3: They're pushing all my
0: buttons tonight, John. Every single one of them. If you come back from (sighs) if you come back from like a war war where we're like we won and you're a hero, I'm sure all the benefits are flying at you. But now you're coming, coming back from back. Afghanistan. They want to make sure this thing is forgotten as quickly as possible. But all those people that were there, they're coming back with PTSD or whatever they had to go through when they were there. Now they're coming back and you know, there's, no, there's no parade for them. They're just going to get shuttled back. And are they, to, are they going to get the benefits or are they going to just try to pretend this thing, this thing didn't happen?
2: If you, if you ask me, the VA invented the word bureaucracy um you want to see a
1: clusterfuck. oh excuse me I'm sorry it's <laughs> all right that's all right we're allowed to curse on you <laughs> this isn't
2: this isn't radio <laughs> right. so I mean if you want to see a cluster try I mean just try and see people maneuvering through the VA system it, it I mean as an example Megan knows because I do this all book? the time
3: read that book thank you for your service you yeah, to talk you. about somebody who desperately you know is looking for help and and wants it you know is going through all the ho- I'm reading this book. I'm thinking I would have given up on day two. Like, uh, this is who, who who set this system up? This is, you know, it's, it's doomed, to, doomed to fail. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy. I
2: get a guy that's that's homeless and he's living on a friend's couch. And according to the VA, couch surfing isn't being considered homeless. That's right. you, you have to be able to check yourself into a, one of the, you know, the nearby shelters like Jan Peake House. And I wouldn't send my enemy to Jan Peake House. But in order to be able to get into the system, you've got to go there. And you've got to run into a guy who's overworked, underpaid, and stressed to the max to try and get you into the system if you qualify.
0: Right. How
2: much time did you serve? What was your discharge level? How much money do you make? You know, I mean, you could be suffering from PTSD and the VA could turn around and go like, well, you make too much money.
3: Mm-hmm. we're
2: not going to help you pay for your, your psychiatrist. You're going to have to pay for it through your Unbelievable.
3: insurance company. You, you'd, you'd be sick. Folks, well,
1: yeah. so we're going to have to go to a quick com- commercial here. Folks, if you don't know, Police Off the Cuff now has channel memberships. And we have uh, there's four memberships now. They're sort of funny. The first one is called um, The Bucket. The second one is called uh, Polish My Rack. The third one is called Dipped in Butter. And the fourth, the premier one, that costs a lot of money, costs $50 a month, Heated Dipped in Butter. So not only <laughs> can you get them dipped in butter, but you can get it heat, heated butter to dip them in. So that's our that's our membership. So far, we got four members. People are starting to join the, the Police <laughs> Off the Cuff Club. And Mark, we're gonna go to uh, some of our paid sponsorships now. You can do the honors.
0: If you're looking to relocate to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Carol Waters of the Beach Realty Group has been buying and selling property in the Myrtle Beach area for 11 years now. Carol and her husband Rob Mahone, are retired. He's a retired FDNY firefighter. Uh, and he was first the cop work as a team. Carol has been an, uh, a multimillion dollar producer for the last 10 years. They have great knowledge of all the aspects of the real estate industry. Carol is well known around the Irish community in New York. She worked in Fitzpatrick's Manhattan a Hotel for over 20 years behind the stick. Originally born in the Bronx and brought up in County Mayo, Ireland. Contact Carol Waters for all your real estate needs in the Myrtle Beach area. Carol Waters sell. That's her uh, MB. That you, you can see it right there. That is her email. And the phone number is 914-261-6681. Folks, God forbid, uh, I love you all for being fans of the show. So I'm giving you a heads up. God forbid you're ever out and you get in trouble and you need a lawyer. You want to call Joe Murray. He's a frequent guest on the show. He's our legal expert, a retired NYPD officer who made good by becoming a lawyer. Uh, check out jmurray-law.com. Put this phone number in your uh, on speed dial on your phone there, the top 10 numbers, uh, 646-838-1702. Not only is Joe Murray a frequent guest on the show, a lawyer, retired NYPD, he's a gentleman, and he will make sure that he's in the corner. That's the type of guy he is. He'll fight for you. This is the lawyer that you want. God forbid you get
1: in trouble. Folks, if you're looking for supplements, be sure to check out the products from nutrition.com. As first responders, there are certain expectations in our performance on the job. We train hard and drill often to be able to perform at our best when duty calls. Whether it's hoofing over 100 pounds of gear or engaging in a spontaneous foot chase, we work out like our life depends on it, because it does. Two New York City firemen created this supplement line with hand-picked products that will not pop positive on any drug test for first responders. Solid pre-workout products that will give you a good pump and a short-term strength boost that can help you power through your workout. Supplements that help with fat burning and weight loss and post-workout formulas that support recovery. Go to firstdonutrition.com. Use code cuff to get 10% off your order. You can get jacked using that product, right? Working out and staying in good shape. Police Coffee uh, is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. uh, to will provide you with the freshest coffee available. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And their specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of the profits goes towards helping family members of police officers who uh, fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, go to the website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from. 50% of the profits go to officers' families in need. For a 10% discount, use code OTC10. That's off-the-cuff 10 thats off the cuff 10 The website is policecoffee.com. I've gotten tremendous feedback on this uh, product. People that have uh, ordered this coffee, they love it. In fact, I'm going to order some myself. I'm going to switch from Dunkin' Donuts. Don't even mention Starbucks in my house. Uh, So (laughs) I'm going to switch to policecoffee.com. So, guys, uh, it's, it's supposed to be an amazing product. Everyone that has ordered it from this channel has Told me great things about it.
3: I wrote it down. I'm gonna do some early holiday shopping. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's
1: so that's so great. Uh Juan Valdez asked, Bill, I missed the intro. Is that John from the 3-4 squad? One and the same, but not just yeah. the 3-4 squad, a captain in the US Army, a nurse. He wears many, many hats. Coroner, the guy's unbelievable, man. It's I just- see dead people. Yeah. I mean, you know, something, how did did that
0: happen? Why don't you tell us about that? How do you
2: become a coroner
3: people for too long, John?
0: So, uh,
2: one of my friends is the chief coroner and uh, he said, John, you were a homicide detective in New York city. You spent a year in Iraq in the busiest trauma center in the world. He said, if you don't know what a dead guy looks like, I don't know who does. So (laughs) he said, and it's an elected position. So, uh, all I had to have was my license and I ended up, uh, You'd be surprised. Not too many people run for corn or getting paid seventeen thousand dollars a year to get up at three a, o'clock in the morning to look at dead guys.
3: It's a hot uh-huh. field. It's yeah, it's, a, it's a highly sought after. Highly <laughs> yeah, sought it is. seventeen.
0: Well, but how often do you gotta come in? Um, whenever they
2: call. I mean, we we had like how one day we had a suicide and an overdose, and then we didn't have anything for like a, a week or week or two. So it changes. It fluctuates. But
1: uh, yeah, it's
2: it's a sixty thousand dollar budget spread between three people.
1: Oh my God!
3: Wow! imagine
1: you know, John, it was funny. Today I drove into the city i was I agreed God bless to be, you. To exactly. be oh my God that's that's what i'm I'm going towards. Uh-huh. I agreed to be in this documentary, and I don't know why I agreed to it. it was a, It was about some kind of law enforcement stuff anyway, just driving in there i f- I was like, I will never ever do this again. I mean, imagine doing it like we did it, you know four yep. or five days a week. It's like now it's, it, I think the traffic going into the city is worse than it's ever been because no one wants to take the train anymore. Cause my, my my family will tell you
2: that I, I drive like an old man up in Putnam County because I'm not in a hurry. Life is too short. da di da da I hit the Bronx line and it's like, I'm like, you know, the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> you know, I am a completely different person, but they're like, you know, all of a sudden they, they tighten up the shoulder strap you They start holding onto things, you know, and, uh,
0: hey uh it's, it's I, I still i still you guys can make fun all you want i still live here but uh, you mentioned nine eleven. i i i don't want to forget this um yeah, speaking absolutely. of nine eleven, 11 i was in a documentary that's coming out it's a film uh it's called too soon comedy after nine eleven. i don't know mm-hmm. if you know this but I, i'm a stand-up comic so is bill by the way but I w- i've been doing this for uh over 20 years now and i was a comic when nine eleven happened so there's so many famous comedians in uh, in this uh, documentary, and then there's me. and It was just because I happened to be a comic when I was a cop, uh, and a cop. So they threw me a bone. But um, yeah, it's coming out now, and uh, after five years of hard work, they're announcing it. So it's called Too Soon, Comedy After 9-11. So uh, check that out. Um, it, it's all about 9-11 and, and how comedy um, kind of sort of picked people up, I, I guess, in a way.
2: It, it's funny you say that
0: i was just looking for something today and
2: it was uh, a stand-up comic it was a roast of hugh hefner and i can't remember the name of the comic but he's like this guy that like always yells you know he's you know has a high pitch yelling
0: gilbert gottfried yes yeah and and th- it <laughs> was like gilbert. three days
2: do you know what what he did like I at know. the roast it's like the filthiest joke ever told but oh, it, yeah, he, yeah, started, yeah, yeah. he started off with like you know he was on a jet plane or something you know, and it, it you know, first stop was like, you know, the Empire State Building or something. And people started to boo him because they said it was too soon after 9-11. Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, we yeah.
2: can't do this. And then he went off into another joke, which uh, was the point of that thing. But, uh, you know, yeah, that I, that must have been very hard to do. Hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Grace so, uh,
1: Green, Grace Green in the chat says our country truly has to embrace two words, positive power. Think it, feel it, make it our new outlook. And although it will not happen overnight. <laughs> Integrity and truth will be our strength to win. Yeah, uh, Grace, we agree with you. Yeah, we comment. definitely agree with that philosophy. And you know, but people need help. To you know, it's not enough to be positive if a lot of things in your life are negative. You know, people need help, and they need help from people like John and Megan here because it's you know they need they need a, a shoulder to lean on, right?
2: And the hard the hardest thing is for people like you and me and, and Megan knows this firsthand you know, we're the people that you call when you're in trouble. You know, we're we're the guys, you know, we're not the weak ones. We're not the ones that have problems. You know, we're there to solve the problems. We're there to, you know, be the, 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 the night, you know, the, the way that, you know, you want the results, you want people to come and help you. That's us. It's not the other way around. And, And to be able to get somebody to admit, well, maybe I do need help is, is the, the hardest thing for every one of us to do, whether or not it's a firefighter, whether or not it's a police officer, whether or not it's um, military, somebody that's, you know, served overseas and is coming back. So a lot of things that, that happened, you know, the hardest part is, I'm, I've got this, you know, I, I got it, I'm doing okay. And, you know, in reality, they're not. And and to be able to make that break, I mean, I remember the first time one of the cops called me, and it was because he knew me. And he said, that's the hardest decision I ever had to make. Okay. You know, he was dealing with the loss of a friend who was another police officer. And it was a friend of his, you know, broke bread and, you know, all that. And he said, that was the hardest thing for me to do was to admit that I needed to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to sit down and, you know, th- our difference is that we don't meet at the Blarney Rocker at Coogan's. You know, we, we have a tendency to meet for coffee.
3: Uh, don't tell him where you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You
3: get thrown off the show. It's yeah. The only place we have up here.
2: Yeah. But, you know, again, it, it's one of those things that that was the hardest thing that for him to do.
1: And, you know, if you, you look at our lifestyle, that's 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 true. And, John, you have a um, a huge amount of New York City cops up in Putnam County, correct?
2: Yeah, I think if you throw a rock, you hit a, either a cop or a fireman.
3: Everywhere <laughs> I go, I can't believe it. I never forget this. I'm like at a craft bazaar for uh, at our church, you know, and I'm talking to the person that's across from me and you know, they're retired. And I'm like, of course you will hire like
0: everybody
3: I talk to. So, yes. yes, which is great.
2: Unless they were, you know, retired or they're, they're FDNY, then they're usually, you know, I'm the carpenter, I'm the plumber, I'm the roofer. Oh, and by the way, I'm a. I'm a fireman in the
1: city. I'm a fireman, yeah. Yeah. Well, they say being a being a fireman is the greatest part time job in the world. <laughs> exactly. I'm probably going to get some hate mail after I say yeah. that, but you know. But that's
0: Everybody how I got. That's how I got involved with acting because I was looking at all these other guys I'd stay in roll call when I was a rookie, uh, in the task force there, and one guy was a plumber, the other guy was an electrician, the other guy was an exterminator, and I was like, man, if I'm going to have a part time job or something that I, I'm going to do on the side. I want to do something. I want to do, and I I always wanted to be an actor, and so I I got it, I, I went to an acting school and I started studying acting. That's that's exactly what got me into it because every everybody had another job. Do you re, do
2: you remember Bill the uh, the firebombing of the fire truck? And they threw the Molotov cocktail into the truck. Yes. So one of the guys that was in the truck was a cop. He was he he was in the police department in the city, and he hated the fact that everybody hated him as a cop. He was working like in Bed or something. And he was just like, you know, I'm out of here, man. I, I, you know, people hate me. They're cursing at me, but they're doing this. He joins the police, the the fire department. He gets transferred up to the truck off on like 168. And they're going down the road and they come to the stop and they threw a Molotov cocktail through the window and it broke and it sprayed everybody. And because he was the rookie, he was wearing all of his bunker gear and stuff. And all the other guys that were the senior ones, they were down, you know, like the pants were down. They were just wearing the t shirts. They got severely burned. He had to get out of the job. He was just so messed up after that. Wow. He's like, "What the hell is the matter with this world?
0: What yeah, is that just?" Fire, that fire department thing is crazy. You know, I I, I grew up with this kid Richie, and uh, I became a cop. He became a fireman, and I was on the fire department test. That one that, that that came back that they were found out that there was a discrimination on it. And by the way, my real last name is Sanchez, and I got I, I passed the physical no problem. I had ninety seven. Forget mm-hmm. it. But the point is, Richie died in a fire, in a basement, um, in an abandoned house. And he was a power lifter. He was like one of the strongest dudes I know. So um, it was just weird that, like, I, I I didn't get on that job. I stayed on the PD. But the fact that this guy was so strong and he could die, it's like.
2: I think it's genetics, man. Because, you know, give me a man with a gun any day. You know, send me yeah. into a burning building. I'm calling for my mommy.
1: Yeah, but, me uh, too. you
2: know, give me a man with a gun. I'm okay with that. Bernie, not so much.
1: Amy Amy Dodd, she says, I fear people are forgetting about 9-11. The Biden administration clearly is forgetting about 9-11. Well, one of the things that I was a little bit shocked about is that this 20-year anniversary, they're not allowing first responders to go down there and celebrate just family members of people that were lost. Mm. I find that to be outrageous. How could you exclude first responders from the 20-year anniversary you know, the should, you know, the attacks on our country. I, I they, What politician is making that decision? Disgusting. You know, they should call it the Obama birthday party to smash.
0: And then this way they can amount, uh, invite as many people as they want. Yeah. Because apparently if you could, you could throw a party for whatever you want. They had the surges, the bike ride down there. What are we talking about right now? We're talking about people standing outside, you know, and you could separate them if you want as best as you could they could be blocks away but you can't keep them away no absolutely. all you had to do is coordinate it the whole decision is stupid
2: i i agree with you and it's and it, and i'm afraid you're absolutely right you know people are forgetting it you know we we bill we were talking about this earlier i, I really think you know this, this is 20 years you know i don't know where 20 years went but my god this is this is like a major thing and you, you hear so little about it um and and i really I, i'm shocked about that i really am
1: yeah, it's you know it's almost like it's being done purposefully so that people do start forgetting about it and not realizing that it was the big deal that it is, and not allowing people. That's part of PTSD. To also not allowing people to grieve because yeah. people need to grieve and Absolutely. continue to grieve over something like this. And when they just across the board say, "Oh no, we're not going to allow that to happen this year," well, you know, it's just. Yeah, there's a lot of survivor's guilt. You
2: know, there are a lot of guys that that turn around. I'm one of them, you know, you know, we should have been there. We should have been there.
0: And, be you know, kind of and you change the narrative. It doesn't help. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And and a friend of mine, uh, Vietnam veteran as well, you know, he, he made this comment once when he was down at the wall and he said, you know, life would have been so much easier if my name was up here. Wow. And, you know, it, it's just him dealing with his, you know, war experience and it's the same thing for a lot of us, whether you're in the fire department. You know, one of my friends, he's a captain up in the Bronx. I mean, he, you know, lost 30 people that he broke bread with, you know, and, he, and the only way he could deal with it was like, you know, the guys that went to the left died, guys that went to the right lived. Right. You know, he had no other way of saying it, but, you know, you know, but you're alive. And it's the same thing when you go to war and you come back from war. You know, okay, I'm alive, but why is my buddy dead? You know, or why couldn't I save that guy? Why couldn't I save that man's life? Why couldn't I do this? Why couldn't I, you know, and you, you keep hitting yourself and beating yourself up with that over and over again. And same thing with, you know, the police department, you know, it, it's like, you know, you, you're working in a precinct and you know, three cops are killed when when I'm working there and the riots and you know, well, why did they die and why am I still alive? You know, why, why is this? Why, you know, and that's you know, John, that
1: uh, a similar thing just happened in Chicago with, um, that uh, police officer, a French, who was shot right in the forehead. A partner is probably going to be paralyzed, and the mayor there is not allowing them to have a big um, funeral ceremony. I mean, right. I just—it's almost like they're doing it on purpose to piss people off. It's—it's it, it, incredible. It's incredible to me that that politicians have the power they do. First of all, they—you know—they the biggest po- po- uh, power they have is the power of the purse strings just to spend our money any way they want to waste it well you know another small thing with afghanistan i mean how about just leaving millions and millions of dollars of equipment there don't you think maybe if they planned better they could have taken some of that stuff and returned it to the united states no instead they leave it there i mean that is pissing on the taxpayer
0: (laughs) i don't know unless you wanted them to have it a uh I think we should give a shout out to people in the chat. I just wanted to say, um, my aunt uh, Yo- uh, Johansi, she's watching on the chat, and my cousin Dwayne, and we have so many people, Bill, that came on the chat tonight, um, and they were they have they got a whole t- show going on over there on their own. But uh, I don't know. Do you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, them? sure.
1: Uh, Shannon Georgia Peach. What what French? What do you mean? Uh, they need to stop making it political. The police officer, yeah, French, a female officer was shot and killed in Chicago by two thugs whose mother got arrested because they wouldn't allow her to visit them in prison, uh, in jail, actually, awaiting their trial. They should just execute those two now, save the taxpayers' money, you know? Um, The joy catcher ripple effects are endless when you think about deeply. Cage Walker, they just had a huge ceremony today, thousands. Good, I'm glad they did because the police deserve to have an inspector's funeral. That's what we call it in New York yeah. City. Uh, no, but, gold,
2: no gold casket, though, like somebody else. No,
1: no exactly. And, and the mayor of Chicago is the most horrendous mayor I've ever seen, and I've seen de Blasio, and she's even, <laughs> worse. she's even worse. Amy Dodd, 83, I'm from the U.K. and thought it was the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Okay, the TV, uh, and still is. Um, MC's audio, a step here, an inch there. That's what made the difference that day, sadly. Rebecca, survivor's guilt, I can't imagine. Ron Daniels, never forget 9-11. That's right, brother. Mm-hmm. Johansi Acosta, high mayo. That's your relative, Mark? That's my aunt, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Rebecca, great. wow. Um, folks, you know, if you're not subscribers to Police Off the Cuff, just go on our YouTube, hit the subscriber button, give us a thumbs up, hit the bell. We actually uh, are at over 13,000 subscribers now, I think 13,300. But we're not satisfied with that we want to we want to go to the moon you know we want 60000
0: $60, they say if you get 60000 subscribers you can quit your job
1: oh that's that's good <laughs> that's I, our don't goal. Ha- I don't on, have folks. one i don't have one this is my job right now so <laughs> hey, i you. already I, I already quit you know yeah. but folks we're going to come up with some amazing content i don't know if you saw last night we had joe pistone on the real donnie brasco tommy Dade's an organized crime expert and We actually have a commitment from Sammy the Bull Gravano that's going to come on our show. And, you know, some people may criticize us. Oh, you're glorifying organized crime. No, we're not. We didn't cut the deal with him. The federal government did, you know, and and he's just telling his story to us. And people used to tell us stories all the time about murder. Right, John? Yep. Yep. So they, uh, we do, we're, we're just putting it on YouTube now. That's what sells
3: People Magazine, right? And the newspapers. That, that's so, right. Yeah, why, that's why, not right. Your, why not your channel? And
1: from a police perspective, you know, we're giving them the police I Thank God you don't have the about
2: FBI non- there. So
1: it's <laughs> to say about 9 people.
3: I feel like for people who don't have a connection to the first responder community, I don't think that they can really fully appreciate what the day means and, you know, what the 20th anniversary means. So... I guess I would just, you know, say to people that, you know, there are some people that probably feel like it's over, you know, it's in the, I just want to remind them, no, you know, please check in on people that you care about that are in law enforcement, first responders, you know, that's a day that's going to be really hard for a lot of people. And so I just want to put that out there as something that we talked about at our last first line meeting. And I know we're going to do a lot of local advertising just to encourage people to reach out, you know, don't, don't, don't be sitting by yourself, you know, Feeling bad about you know remembering and you know feeling like you're alone and there isn't anybody to to share those memories um, and those experiences with you because you know Megan that's why dramatic. we remember
1: we remember the seven December seventh nineteen forty one correct mm-hmm. right that is that date you know a day that will live in infamy correct. And and 11 well, should be listed in the same vein as that Joe Murray correct. thank you Joe uh, for a twenty dollar super chat and he Joe says thank you. Uh, for all you do, for Police Officer, all you do, including bringing us these wonderful guests. John Borges, I mean, you know, what he's done since he left the police department, not even including his police career, which was exceptional, he's done amazing things. And it's like people were pushed by uh, by a higher power, that's for sure. And I believe you were, John, to do great things after you retired.
2: I, I appreciate that. And And if you look at also a lot of times when – I'm either dealing with a veteran or I'm dealing with a police officer. You know, as much as I'm probably there to deal with them, one of the first things they almost all ask is, listen, how can I help? You know, how can I help somebody else? And, and I always look at them and said, listen, you, you walk the walk, you know, you talk the talk, you're either in recovery, you're this, you're that. I'm going to need you because you're going to be able to talk to somebody as a peer saying, hey, been there, done that, bought the coffee mug, got the T-shirt, and they'll be able to relate to you. And it's part of our genetic makeup. We want to give back. We want to serve other people. We want to help. That's what we do. And, you know, things like first line, which is, you know, it's an anonymous number. You, anybody can call it 24 hours a day. Same thing with the warm line for veterans. It's one of those things that that's what we do to try and help ourselves. Because if we don't help us, there ain't nobody else out
1: there that's going to help. You mean, John, you don't say, oh, excuse me, were you a cop or a fireman? Oh, you weren't, sorry. You have to call the other suicide number. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, just, and
1: I've, I've gotten calls That's... from people down in Texas
2: that that weren't cops, but they came right. across the warm line and, and we were able to talk to them for a little while and just, you know, help. And even though we're in Putnam County, I don't turn around and go like, oh, you're from Westchester. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't no, work.
1: You, you have to help the person. They're on yeah. They're they're you know, have at the, the end work. of their
3: rope. Yes, just what John said earlier, if you had the courage to pick up the phone and call, you know, like then, yes, you know, whatever you need to do to be able to um, to, to, show up, is, you need to do it, definitely.
1: Karen Corney, so sorry I'm new to the channel, but watching of shows and thought I would pick up the courage to say hi from England, from Stafford, England. We hi. love our fans from across the pound. Awesome. It's amazing that we get people from Ireland, Australia, Australia. Um, you know all these different countries, and and they show up in our uh, in our podcast in our chat. Thank you so much for watching. Please become a uh, subscriber to Police Off the Cuff. Marie Green, how are you? Duty Ron, one of our great uh, supporters, is in the chat. Joe Murray, obviously, is in the chat. The Pranzos, Lieutenant, the great Lieutenant Pranzo, and his wife Rachella, our biggest fans, our first subscribers to our new um, our new our new memberships, which we have. Thomas the grown two, three squad woo-rah. down here. They recently shot a Navy veteran using a Walker 77 years old. Where's that Tommy? I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't hear about that, but folks, hello, Karen. I'm from Liverpool. That's where the Beatles were from. Isn't that right? I have a, I have a yeah. little picture yeah. of the Beatles behind me, you know? So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Uh, so great to have you people. Thomas the grown is from Orlando. Uh, Orlando is, <laughs> it's turning into, uh, New York City, I think you know Orlando. Besides Mickey Mouse and everything, um, I, I locked up Minnie Mouse. Minnie, Mouse? I <laughs> well, Minnie well, Mouse. Well, now you can lock them up in Midtown because they're all wearing those. <laughs> they're all wearing those outfits, you know, trying <laughs> to make a living posing as uh, Spider Man and okay. all. All the characters are fighting each other, you know, for the tourist dollar. It, it's it's crazy what uh, what New York City has become again. You know, it's. Uh, we saw the decline drop over in the 90s into the 2000s and now i didn't think i'd be here for the when it went back up but we are here it is going back up yeah. you know it's, it's crazy it's a shame the yeah, is really a shame john i just want to say john and megan you guys are doing god's work and i we say that to a lot of people that come on the show because we have a lot of amazing people that have come on police off the cuff uh we have there's a there's a, a A group of people called Equus Search, and they're out of Texas and they're out of Ohio, uh, and they go all over the world searching for missing children. They they're another amazing amazing group of people, and you guys and I said to them, you got, you do God's work, and you guys also do God's work, and I of for one are very thankful that there are people like you in this world. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank
1: Thank you you. for having us, Mark. You have any uh, final words?
0: Well, even though I'm not a Yankee fan, I'm a Mets fan. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, Andrew Velasquez took the field as a New York Yankee, and uh, he he got a hit as far as I know. Uh, and he looks pretty good. And his father is a uh, retired NYPD second grade de- uh, detective, uh, mm-hmm. Kenneth Velasquez. So wow. I just want to give a shout out to him. I know what it's like to... Uh, to bring your kid to uh, all the games and stuff like that and be on these travel teams. My son was a great ball player. Uh, the one that's becoming a nurse now. And, um, so I know, I know this, uh, how we must feel. Uh, so give a shout out to them.
1: That's fantastic. Oh, and, um,
0: also too, I, I have to mention my album drops the bangers bill was in the audience falling asleep for it. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you, man. Look like I, was, was, che- I was cheering you on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, No, he heard all my jokes already. I thought I already <laughs> knew his jokes, but I still <laughs>
3: laughed at them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, it's coming out September fourteenth, and also too, um, that's gonna be it. wherever you are. You can find that uh, 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 SiriusXM. If you got in the car, you're gonna get it. But uh, also too, I'm going to Grand Rapids, Michigan, on September second to do the uh, a police thing for them. Uh, Grand uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, PD. I'm coming out for you. i
1: am got, got some great stuff. That should be great, man. That should be amazing. John, uh, any last words before we're almost at an hour? Uh, I would say the biggest
2: thing for me is, you know, if you're going through stress, if you're feeling something, just reach out to somebody, whether it's your, your, your partner, you know, your radio car partner, you know, your, your battle buddy, whomever it may be, you know, just reach out to somebody to talk to somebody. Um, This is going to be hard times for a lot of people. Afghanistan, uh, 9-11, you know, just life in general. And uh, sometimes we can't really go through it by ourselves. We think we can, but uh, just reach out to somebody. And we're always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can reach First Line. And I'm sure they can get in contact with you how to find
1: us and go online and you'll find us and and we're there for you. John, that's fantastic. Uh, Megan?
3: I just want to tell you a quick funny story when we were at a suicide prevention conference up in Albany and I got to meet one of the um, gentlemen, retired officer who's involved with Papa. It's a great program, great guy. And I'm talking to him and he says to me, did you ever read the book, the five love languages? And I was like, what What did this guy just say to me? So anyway, he's telling me about, you know, how they use it and getting couples together and having people talk about their feelings. And I said to him, I go, I think he was a a homicide detective in, in Brooklyn for 20 years. So I said to him, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were on the job, you, would you have imagined you standing here talking to me, asking me if I had read the five love languages? And he's like, never. So I just want to say that, you know, cops are tough, you know, it's a tough job, but they're, they're also, you know, they're, you're human, right? So everybody's, yes. uh, there's, the, there's a, there's 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 a soft place there too. So it's, it's, it's okay to, to let people see that because you know, that, that, that's, that's part of who you are. So be who you are, reach out. You're not alone.
1: You know, it's not only that, um, you know, you're facing all these different, uh, you know, PTSD. You're facing uh, issues of danger, people not liking the police. And then you got to go home and be dad right. and, yeah. be, and be husband and take care of your kids and, you know, uh, work around your house, you know, go food shopping, do all the things that you do during everyday life. It just doesn't stop because you may come home and not not feel well and not feel like doing anything. You know, life doesn't stop as you guys know, because you wear many hats, just like just like we do.
3: And how does it go, John? How was your day? Fine. Anything happened? Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> <about> nope. <laughs> Isn't
0: yeah. that the funniest thing? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why don't funny? you
2: Why don't you talk to me? Oh, about the woman that was burned to death inside the car. And <laughs> right. Was, right. Right. Yeah. You want me to tell you about that? No. So my so my, so my day so was I'm, fine.
3: So I'm my just saying that there are people that do want to hear about that. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's funny. When I used to ask my youngest son, he'd come home from school. I would say, how was your day? He'd go, good. i go, what happened? He would just say, good. I would say, Jake, I'm going to kill you. You say good one more time. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. That was how he just blew me off. Good, good. You yeah. want
0: to talk about it, man? Yeah, just to right. decide, right. right.
1: before you
2: leave, my, my daughter is a bartender. And so one of the people said, you know, you're one of the most sarcastic people I've ever met in my life. And I happened to have been there. She looks at me and she goes, that's his fault.
0: <laughs> that's
1: right you can always blame it on someone else that's for sure mark you have any last words before we uh say goodbye no, I, just,
0: I just want to say thank you so much to uh to megan and john you guys were great man you um god bless you you're doing god's work like bill said but thanks for coming on you're welcome anytime
3: thank you it's my pleasure thank you very so nice much to peace you to you Everybody me. and, and,
1: and megan did i say this was just going to be like having a conversation yeah. Yeah, it was easy, right? It was yeah, so it was easy. Great. Yeah, I'll be back. Okay, great. And, you, know, you guys, you guys are welcome to come back anytime. If just reach out to me. You want to come back on the show for some reason. You want to push something or do uh, talk about something. Just contact me. You have my email right now. You're welcome to come back anytime.
3: Thank you so much. We appreciate okay? it. Thank Stay you. safe and well, everybody. Okay, from Police
1: Off the Cuff on behalf of Bill Cannon and Mark DeMeo. John Borges and Megan Castellano, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Take care.